Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome back to Homeschool Together. Thanks so much for joining us. If you have a chance, head down into the show notes and check out the links we have to support our podcast and to leave us a review. We appreciate those people who went out and left reviews. We are up to what, 62, 63, somewhere in that range? Yeah, I don't know, but we appreciate those We, we appreciate it. We, Even we, if you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, uh, if you can go, you have an Apple device, you can go yeah. into Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Uh, we read them all. We really appreciate them. We do. Them, we, we, so poured, thank you. we poured a glass of wine the, the other night. We, we, <laughs> we read the new ones and it was very... Very nice. Very, very awesome. We, In between that and a Brian Langerstorm uh, YouTube video that came out. That, you know, now you're going to have to put that in the show notes I because will. You, you referenced it. That's our favorite uh, YouTube. Uh, Foodie. Yeah, recipe. Recipe we've, guy. Yeah, we've gone from Babish. What was the other guy we listened to in Brooklyn? Uh, well, we, we the, were watching. The Cozy we were watching, Kitchen. What was it? The Preppy, the preppy kitchen. kitchen. That's preppy right. Kitchen, but but now we we're, started doing weird stuff with the, the cameras. I don't yeah, like he started that doing weird. Yeah, we didn't like it. And so anyway, we're now Brian Langerstorm guys. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm probably we're probably saying that wrong. We're, we're definitely saying that wrong. Anyways, Anyways, today we have the first of two interviews with Jeannie Faulkner. She is a homeschool mom of grown children that went all the way through to college. Which, That's right. So we have a lot to talk with her about. Yeah. Um, and she's a homeschool coach and advocate. And so she writes a number of articles for The Homeschool Mom, which is a really terrific resource yeah. for any of you that uh, have, you know, just... Lots of homeschool topics, really great articles that you can read, uh, a huge database uh, resource. Mm -hmm. So we have two interviews with Jeannie, and this interview today is going to be talking to her from more of the homeschool journey perspective about what it was like to... um, to raise her kids and go all the way through high school and what was the college application process oh, yeah, like. That, that was a really, really fun part. It was great. Cause I know, I know a lot of us out here are wondering like, you know, yeah, we can, we That's can home- the end game, right? Yeah. We can, we can homeschool the early years fairly well. Right. And, but once you start to get into the, you know, as we kind of said in the interview, you know, when it starts to count, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it starts to matter. And, and, you know, there's a little bit of fear in all of us around that. And, you know, are, are we up I to it? So. Are we, you know, are we prepared enough? Are we ready to do it? Are we capable enough? Yeah. And I think um, the interview today, I think, can rest a lot of your 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 fears and, and a lot of the uncertainty that you might have um, as you begin to move and, and plod towards that point. I know. Yeah. You know, I could definitely like see that, that light, you know, game, at the yeah. end of the tunnel and, and kind of what the walls look like on that tunnel. Yeah. Like, you know, it's one of those things we know we want our kids to be successful yeah. uh, adults and have go on to have successful lives and careers and whatever they choose to do. But, uh, you know, I haven't really understood a lot about the specifics. I know it's possible and we're going to do it, but um, it was great to talk to her about her homeschool journey. Um, And she's just, she's just charming and a wonderful source of information. And then next week we have a really great interview with her from the homeschool coach and advocate perspective, um, more about 
trends that are happening in homeschool, things that she's seeing, how homeschooling has changed yeah. in the last 20 years. So, yeah, stay tuned to this two-parter. It's Yeah, both episodes are really great. But for the first one, we just wanted to dive into her family mm-hmm. and what brought her to homeschooling and kind of do our, our homeschool journey, but then talk a little bit more specifically about about you know going through high school and teaching those difficult subjects and things. Yeah. So if you're wondering about that and you're not sure how you're going to um, go towards that, you know, that completion of your kid's education, this is a great interview to listen to. So let's take it away with Jeannie Faulkner. Hi, Jeannie. Thanks so much for joining us. I am so glad to be here with you all today. Well, we're really excited because we, as homeschooling parents of three years, four, three, three and a half, three. Well, let's not go into that. In spirit, a decade, right? Before <laughs> we actually homeschooling for a short period of time. And we talk to a lot of homeschool parents that have early learners, but you have a wealth of experience. You homeschooled for over 20 years. Um, and so can you take us back to the beginning? Like, what was your motivation? What got you started homeschooling? Sure. Uh, My oldest kids were in school through third, let's see, second and fourth grades. And so honestly, my first motivation initially was that I wasn't happy with what I saw happening to my young learners. I saw them becoming more reluctant, more hesitant, sort of that spark of interest going away. And it was, it really bothered me. Another part of it that bothered me was the overwhelming amount of behavior modification that was used in schools, all kinds of, you do everything for a reward or to avoid a punishment. And I just did not think this was the way learning should really go. After I took my kids out of school, I kept finding other benefits that kept me homeschooling, things like just more family time together. Suddenly we weren't you know, rushing from right after school to get homework done, to get to soccer practice, to where do we fit in dinner and time with my husband? I mean, the family time and the togetherness just made such a big difference. And then my youngest son, who we kind of had two close together and then one um, about, let's see, seven, I guess my I guess I start kind of started homeschooling and uh, had that new baby at kind of the same time. And so he never went to school. So I did eventually end up homeschooling, you know, if you can call it homeschooling, preschool, kindergarten, you know, and all the way through until the kids went to college. Did you, was homeschooling ever on your radar? You talked about, you didn't like what you were seeing, but it, was it on the radar ahead of time? Or was that something you were like kind of forced to pivot into? Great question. I always knew people who homeschooled and had friends who homeschooled. So it did not seem out of the realm of possibility for me. Uh, but I had personally loved school and been a really good fit for school. And the school experience that I had was really positive. I still feel like I am a supporter of good public school, but it was not the same <laughs> when my kids went to school. And to be fair, they went to what was considered a really good school. It just, I, the institution itself had changed so much. And even when they had good teachers the teachers weren't able to really do the things that would meet the needs of many of the kids. So, but I was familiar with homeschooling. So you talked a little bit about how you had one child who never saw public school and you had a couple that did. Was Did you notice a little bit of a different on-ramping, you know, or was there something you had a challenge with the older kids and that was different from maybe your younger child? Sure, for sure. Uh, he definitely, the youngest definitely 
grew into homeschooling after I already felt in the groove. And my oldest kids had to uh, teach me what was going to work and not going to work for our family. So there was definitely a different experience there. And I think at first, because the older kids had been in school, I was much more in a do homeschooling like school mode. But by the time I had gotten them on up through the years, I really was leaning into homeschooling and did not do things the same way with my youngest. And I actually felt good about both approaches, but I think I enjoyed the latter approach more. Yeah, I think we've heard that as well. You know, like from my standpoint, we've homeschooled from the beginning. So they've never, you know, we've done preschools and things of that nature. And we're in a parent partnership that kind of mimics school. It mimics more college than anything. Um, But, you know, from that standpoint, like I'm starting to approach things differently with my younger one than I would have with my older one. And that's just because I think I'm becoming more mature. I'm understanding what, what the kids need. And uh, as, as an educator, um, yeah, I, I can definitely see how that could change over time. Um, so when you first started homeschooling, you know, you left school, you said you kind of did school at home, you know, what were your days like when you first started? And then maybe how did they evolve over time as your children got older and older? At the beginning, I really did use uh, a curriculum. I used the Oak Meadow curriculum, which I still think is a good curriculum. And I tried to have a different curriculum for each of those kids. So the first uh, two years, we were trying to do third and fifth grade. And uh, we had a pretty set routine of what we did when we got up in the morning as far as you know, reading lessons and doing the projects that went with the lessons and uh, maybe doing artwork that went with the lessons and so forth. But over time, I found that the kids got so interested in some of the topics that we stayed on them for longer and longer. And it it was kind of like, you know, that thing where sometimes you look and your kids are playing together really nicely and you say, oh, I'm not going to mess that up. We're going (laughs) to all the time. Turn right around, go to the other room. Exactly. We're going to let them play because this doesn't happen that perfectly that often. Um, And it's worth it, right? And so the same thing started happening with with academics and their interests. They would get really interested in something, and I would think, "What? Why would I? Why would I leave this topic when they're so into it?" So we'd just get another library book, or watch another documentary, or uh, you know, look up a project that we could do that was associated with it. And before I knew it, they were also listening to each other's lessons. So I started sort of heading straight down the middle. So maybe we would all do a lesson from the third grade curriculum and then all do a lesson from the fifth grade curriculum and aim down the middle and combine, especially for history and science. But really, even for literature and language arts, it's just that they kind of worked at their own level, How whatever they could do was what they could do. And the longer that went, uh, I mean, I'll have to say, really, we became interest-led learners. And then uh, really, we were unschoolers, very academic unschoolers, but we were unschoolers uh, for from there. So it really changed over time. You know, and a lot of times with people, when they first hear unschooling, they they think, oh, you know, run free, go do whatever you want. But we've talked to a bunch of unschoolers. And in some respects, some unschoolers can almost be more academic, more rigorous than um, you know, then you would do with like a people would imagine like in a school setting, they they do more classes, they they take formal classes, they take external classes, they they end up, 
you know, becoming very, 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 you know, focused on, right. you know, curriculums and, and classes, but it's all learner led. And I think that that's very funny that you said that you first started with a curriculum and then you kind of just evolved into this learner led system. Could you talk a little bit more about that process? Like, was that difficult for you to kind of let go or was that something you just naturally went towards following your children and what they were excited about? I think I really naturally felt comfortable with it. My background had been as a college faculty member and I was really interested in how learning worked and I knew how much I had loved learning and I'd seen my students in my classes. Uh, and I very much did trust this process because I saw how valuable it was. I mean, once you see kids saying, you know, can we read another book about mummies or um Stephen Hawking, mom, who is he? I want to find out more about what he has to say. And, and that was different from Einstein. You know, you, you start feeling like this is actually working really well and that you don't necessarily need a set of curriculum to tell you what to do when. Now, I will say I continued to be somebody who collected curriculum and used it as a resource. Uh, and very often when my kids said, you know, black holes, I could go to my bookshelf and pull off a book about black holes um, or a book with a chapter about it. So it's not, as you said, it is definitely not sort of a free for all. Nothing is happening. Uh, in fact, I, I had a conversation today on uh, Facebook where somebody said, I'm, I'm thinking of taking a step back. Um, because I need to get a job. So I'm thinking of just unschooling the kids so that I'll have more time for myself. And, you know, it's very hard. This person is very new to unschool, I mean, new to homeschooling. And she's thinking it means don't do anything. When I actually found that the unschooling experience was very immersive and required a lot of responsive uh, facilitating in order to, to work well, um, so it's not necessarily a step back. And we also were a pretty organized family as far as even though, and this wouldn't be true for all unschoolers or all homeschoolers, but we did have a, a routine. We, we, you know, had regular meals and regular walk times and regular. So we were still, uh, pretty routinized. I was listening to one of your all's podcasts where you said your kids thrive on routine and um, so even though I wasn't setting a learning structure by a curriculum, we still had a, a routine and the kids knew what to expect. And um, I just facilitated the learning based on what we were all interested in next. Did, did you see that your time, obviously when they're younger, you're, you're a little bit more hands-on. Maybe as they get older, they're a little bit more of a facilitator. You're kind of a mentor helping them into things. Um, how did that change over time? How were you able to adapt to that? You know, a lot of us, you know, especially when they got a lot older, did you need to bring in other people to be specialists with respect to say chemistry or physics? Did Languages. you have, yeah. Were, were you more of like a, a CEO manager at that point, as opposed to, you know, a, you know, a, a personal manager or, or coach or life coach type of thing? Sure. That's a great question. First of all, I'll say uh, you really want that to be true when you have littles, right? You're waiting for somebody to say, okay, when do they do stuff independently? And it's not as soon as you think in a lot of cases, right? Um, my kids at, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 
kind of still needed me to sit down with them, even if it was sort of parallel, like we talk about parallel play with little kids. Um, maybe I was sitting down working on something I was writing while they were writing so that we could have a conversation back and forth. But but beyond that, when they did get into the high school age, absolutely. One of my favorite conference uh, sessions to present is called Homeschooling the Hard Stuff. And we also have uh, at the Homeschool Mom, where I have uh, a lot of my writing, I have some articles there about what to do when you're not the expert and you're teaching. And we definitely outsourced things. We used community college. We used tutors. Uh, I sometimes used uh, college students, uh, had a couple different college students. One taught uh, one of my kids German and one taught one of them Spanish. Um, we had, in some cases, depending on where you live, there may be academic co-ops. And I also had the opportunity, we moved a lot and we homeschooled in three different states. And I was fortunate to meet uh, wonderful homeschooling parents everywhere. And so we often traded things where I could work with their kids on writing or public speaking or things like that. And someone else could help my kids uh, in an area that I was not as strong in. So we definitely found ways to make that work. And you don't have to be the direct instructor of chemistry if you don't have any background in chemistry. Exactly. So I think it's really interesting. We we focus a lot on early learners and I, I feel like it's almost easier because, you know, we have a first grader. It's like, you know, I feel like I'm not going to say it's not for credit yet, but it's kind of like we got a long way to go. Right. We, we have these things we want to get her to by the time she goes off to college. But that, that's a long runway. But I, I know a lot of parents are really worried about homeschooling through the middle school years and then homeschooling through high school. And at some point, is it just not going to be feasible anymore? Not just from a, you know, I don't know the material uh, aspect, but all of the other social emotional stuff. What was your experience like raising middle schoolers and high schoolers in a homeschool environment? And I'll throw a corollary on that because the closer you get to college, the close, the more it begins to matter. And I think there's a fear that my inability to be a seven subject teacher at a 15 year old, am I pulling my child down? Is there, there's that general fear. Sure. There is a lot of concern about whether we as parents can prepare our kids with all the high school subjects. I think that one thing to keep in mind is that we are more the guidance counselor at that point. And if we don't know, we can ask, we can find out. Again, there's so much research available and so much information available to homeschoolers now. You know, I always tell people, go Google one public school in state, one public school out of state, one private university and one alternative university and look at their requirements for admission. And there you go. Well, once everybody does that, then you kind of see uh, what is needed. But the truth is there is so much flexibility in how to meet those requirements. And I think that is sort of the miracle of homeschooling high school. We often don't realize that kids can learn in different ways other than the school ways. You know, my, my, one of my kids uh, learned Spanish when he went to Ecuador as a, an exchange student. Uh, another one, when I hired the Spanish tutor, I said, you know, 
take him to the grocery store, play soccer with him, ride the bus with him and do it all in Spanish. And he didn't really do typical lessons that you might think of as from a textbook, but they were high value experiences that really helped. So I think, you know, leaning into some of the odd possibilities can be really good. One of my kids was really interested in uh, gaming, computer gaming, and uh, I don't have, I'm I'm a great user, but I don't have any of that experience. And he's a software engineer today. And I am glad to say that he was able to do that despite having a sort of technologically average mom. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we found other people, you know, there was a dad that helped him do a really cool project that he was able to put on his high school transcript. And there are experiences where if you lean into the uniqueness of homeschooling, it doesn't matter that it's different. It is even more, it stands out even more, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, Now, as for, I wanted to say um, about the social emotional part, Mm -hmm. uh, because that's another whole question. When kids are in middle school in that age group, I think there's an interesting thing that can happen in homeschooling there that people don't realize. I always say the best kept secret in homeschooling is the seventh or eighth grade gap year. And sometimes kids at that age kind of have a growing up stage where, you know, they're only interested in snowboarding or they're only interested in dog training, whatever it is that they're interested in. And the best thing you can do for them is go all in on that instead of fighting them and trying to make them do exact subjects. Because these are times where they will find mentors in areas of their interest. They will learn to go deep. They will have sort of Socratic learning opportunities where they're talking with people about this deep interest, where they're learning to do research. And as it turns out, doing school the same way that might be done as a sixth grader, seventh grader, eighth grader. I mean, I can tell you now that I don't know what my kids did each of those years I just know we kept learning and that moving forward and keeping the desire to learn going forward is the most important thing. And that's, that becomes a social emotional thing too, because they gain confidence. They learn how to talk to people. I mean, one of the greatest skills kids can learn at that age is how to email somebody to ask a question. It sounds very simple, but you know, we don't want kids going off to college where they haven't had to, ask somebody, how do I do something or, you know, get the information that they need. So. Well, we, we've, we've said the, the C word a bunch of times. So let's talk a little bit yeah, about college. Absolutely. You know, you, you, it sounds like you sent one of you, at least one of your children off to college, um, maybe more. What was that process like? What did the, did the colleges get all confused when you sent your transcripts in? What how were some, make your transcripts? yeah. How did you do it? Tell us. <laughs> College was a really smooth experience for us. Uh, One of our kids attended an in-state state state university. One attended an out-of-state 
private university. And our youngest is at an Ivy right now. So they've had all different experiences and none of them had any issue with their homeschool transcript at all. That said, they all had good college applications and had what I call outside evidence. And we do have an article uh, that I wrote for the homeschool mom that explains how to have outside evidence that your kids will do well, even when they're not just doing schoolwork for a parent. And that outside evidence can be things like community college classes or AP classes with a with an AP test or uh, work through an online class or a, a homeschool co-op. And this becomes important because this is where your kids end up getting letters of reference and having some academic credibility. And you might do other things like have them do volunteer service or get awards through Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or where they show leadership through sports. So they still, it's not that colleges say, oh, you're homeschooled, of course you can come. They do the same thing with homeschoolers that they do with everybody else, which is they look and they see whether you will be a good candidate to succeed in their school and how they will be able to contribute to the whole campus. So we didn't have a problem. Uh, I've worked with hundreds of families as a homeschool evaluator in our state and students that graduate from homeschooling, get into college and frequently into selective colleges if they want to, and also frequently into multiple colleges. There are one or two, like I had one friend uh, whose son got into 10 different schools, including highly selective colleges. And there was one school that wanted him at the time to take SAT subject area test, which don't even exist anymore. But out of all of the colleges he applied to, and that one didn't say no, it just said before we'll admit you, we'd like you to do that. Um, but that's the only person that I've actually heard. I mean, and, and he was getting into other highly selective schools. He got into his first choice school. So it's, it's really not much of a problem. Here's a weird thing. Trade schools can be pickier than colleges. And so occasionally I do hear of people who have trouble getting into a trade school, especially out of the state where they were homeschooled. And the reason is because trade schools are under a great deal of scrutiny to only provide classes to students who have the ability to benefit from them or else they're seen as maybe diploma mills or as um, just, you know, taking your money, like sell, selling a credential basically. And so trade schools want to go through this operation sometimes where, well, but where's your exact equivalent diploma to, you know, your state diploma. And like in Virginia, we don't have that. It doesn't exist. But if somebody's trying to go to a trade school, say they want to go to a cosmetology or a barber school or a, a massage school or you know something else, they may struggle because the credential expected in that state doesn't match. You know, we don't have to do that in Virginia. In fact, we can't do that in Virginia. We can't provide anything like that. So it's very odd to me, but true, that sometimes it's vocational or trade schools that are are a little bit harder to please 
And so I always tell people whose kids are maybe looking that direction, you, you need to do a little more research to make sure you're not closing any doors there uh, for kids that maybe aren't going to college. So it's interesting. So, so is, is the transcript completely comprised of this outside evidence or is it also like, yeah, cause like in our state, for example, we need three years of foreign language mm-hmm. for one of our universities, um, one of our top universities. And so it's like, do you say, oh, well, they completed these out school classes or you take an AP test in Spanish. It's like, oh, clearly, you know, they've got it. Like, is it, is the transcript a, a, um, a grouping of classes they took with you or however, and evidence, or is it just all outside evidence? It's, it's both. It's both. So there are two basic ways to set up the academic part and you can set it up either by year or by subject area. So you can either have ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. And for some students, that's the more advantageous way to do it. Or you could have um, English, math, science, social studies, electives. And for some students, it's that way. And and the reason that might be advantageous is let's say you have a kid who did all of Algebra 2, but took a year and a half to do it, but nonetheless did a great job with learning Algebra 2 and knows it all. Mm -hmm. You can still, you don't have to specify what year that was done in. On the other hand, you might have a student who was so fast in Algebra 2, finished it in you know, three months rather than taking a whole year and it still shows up and he has time to move on and get another credit. You, you, there's different schools of thought about how much detail to give. Uh, some people say, oh, you should have a course description for every class. Some people only provide a course description for their out school classes or for their private classes that they took at, you know, a local a community center. Other people do it the the reverse. They give their descriptions of only the classes that they taught. So there's some variation out there, but there are a lot of good resources on the internet. I know the homeschool mom has a transcript template where it will even figure out your GPA if you're one who gives grades and it will even calculate that for you so that it's ready to roll right out to send out to colleges. Um, Did your kids have any... You know, we, we, all, all the homeschoolers know the statistics that we know we homeschoolers tend to get into college more. They tend to graduate at higher rates, all of those things. Were there any challenges that your, your children had when they walked into college being going from like kind of a home learning environment or even taking some classes to being a more formalized, rigid, you know, college experience What you know, the testing process, the writing papers. I mean, was that, that might have been new to them. Were there any challenges there or, you know? outside of being away from mom and dad and all those things. Right. Yes and no. I mean, uh, one thing that was different was that my kids did go a little bit older. That would not be everybody's first choice, but you know, my kids did more the take community college classes and work a little bit first. Some kids and some parents are very determined that they want their kid to be admitted to university at 18 and go away and have a very typical four-year experience. Mine were definitely uh, not just willing, but it just seemed like that's how it worked out. Okay, we'll take, we'll dual enroll first. We're going to take an English class and then we're going to take a math class. And then we're going to, oh, now we're, mom says we're graduated. So now we're going to enroll full-time into community college or part-time while we work. So in that sense, 
in some ways it's not typical for what the same experience that some people want for their kids. For us, we liked the idea that they had a little bit more maturity and experience and, uh, and, and we're a little bit more grown up um, with an extra year or two, depending on which kid we're talking about. Uh, one of my kids actually had a career as a professional musician before he went to college and, you know, he learned a tremendous amount, but it also was the way he got into college. So he's kind of got this thriving uh, musician career and he starts taking business classes because he's realizing, oh, music is a business, not just an art. Then he starts taking music classes. Then he starts taking classes a la carte at Berkeley College of Music. And then he says, oh, I really like this college thing. Then he enrolled full time in Berkeley College of Music and he started taking non-music, non-business classes. And he's like, I like this whole experience. I want to go to college for something else entirely. And he transferred. So it was more of a gradual thing. So uh, it's a little bit of a different experience. Uh, surprisingly, they did not have trouble. I, I always think about how odd this is, but my kids did not write a formal paper before they went to community college. This is not a course of action I recommend. It's just what happened. <laughs> and each of them got A's in their first college writing classes because they did know how to do research. We had talked about plagiarism. We had learned sort of the Socratic method of thinking through things and asking questions and testing ideas. They did understand how to read to get to a main point. So the first paper, did they have to learn how to do it? Yes, but they had all the skills. And guess what? That was what the class was for, was to teach them how to do it. And in many ways, uh, and, and I had now, it's also, let's also be honest, I had been a college English teacher. So this didn't happen in a vacuum. This happened with a mom who knew about stuff. I think I listened to one of your podcasts, Matt, the one about um, dinosaurs. And I was like, oh yeah, he has a science background. So, you know, this, this you're, you're filling in a lot of blanks there subconsciously. So I don't want to yeah. say people don't need to show their kids how to write. Obviously that's not true, but knowing how to think and knowing how to meet deadlines and knowing how to do research and knowing how to not mm -hmm. steal other people's ideas turned out to be a great recipe for doing well in college English classes. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll step back into your homeschool. So we were in college, we'll come back into regular homeschooling. Was there, we always like to ask people, you know, tips and tricks and cool things, you know, when, you know, wins that people can take away. What was something that was in your homeschool? You said you moved a bunch of times. Was there something that you couldn't live without, you know, for me, it's crates. Everything's in crates. Um, some people, some people love certain types of pens. What, what's your pen again? The 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 G two pilot G two pilot G twos. And you know, my mine is composition notebooks. I I love them. I you know just the scratching. What was the thing for you guys that you realized that you couldn't live without? Well, library card, bookshelves, and the internet 
all the outdoor sports and backyard stuff. My kids were very, very active. Uh, I will say when I first started homeschooling, as my baby got to be toddler size, we did a lot of our homeschooling at the sandbox so that the little guy could be playing in the sand and I'm reading aloud. And maybe the older kids are even sort of sculpting in the sand, whatever I'm reading about, you know, mm-hmm. um, but all the outside things I would say uh, would be something. My husband made me my favorite ever piece of furniture, which is he made a bookshelf changing table. So <laughs> the top was a changing table and it had one shelf right below that with the diapers and wipes and washcloths and all that. And then the next two shelves were for all the oversized books, like the big um, DK books and the big Mm -hmm. picture books and all that kind of thing. So that in that spot, basically I had everything I needed. (laughs) (laughs) So that's sort of my magic uh, piece of furniture that, that we had. Cool. cool. I, I love it. Just well, something that's, you know, unique and perfect for you. So wonky homemade bookcase is perfect. I, I love it. Yeah. yeah. We like a good bookcase in our yeah, house. We, we, right there. <laughs> Lots of yeah. bookcases. <laughs> this is the smallest one in the background the here. Uh, we that's have for all our curriculum. bookcases. So people can't see it because they're listening. But behind me is all of our curriculum hoarding. <laughs> oh, no. This is only a portion. It's only a portion. It's it. funny when we, we said we have to go get a new bookcase from yeah. Ikea. My mother in law's like, Another one? Because <laughs> our house is filled. Every single room in our house has a bookcase. Yes, Even Mom. our three-year-old's room has a bookcase. Yes. Um, yes. So I, I I hear you on the bookcase. So yeah. with, with this long, um, you know, this long experience of homeschooling your kids from the, the beginning for your youngest all the way up, like what's the thing you wish you would have done differently or that you would want to tell people like, hey, this is, this is what I would take away from it. You know, we learned so much from an experience and it's hard with us you know, being newer homeschoolers, we don't have the experience yet to know. We don't know what we don't know. We haven't failed enough. (laughs) Right. I would say newer homeschoolers have the tendency to do too much, too fast, too soon. And right out of the gate, you're excited. I was excited. I was happy about the change. It was a positive change for our family. And I wanted to do all the things and I wanted to prove that we could do it right now. And I wanted to be organized enough so that we never dropped any balls. And so I think learning how to ratchet down that intensity level and enjoy the kids and then let them enjoy their lives together and their life with you and their life of learning is something that you just can't ever trade for anything better than that. It, it, that, that is really where you want to go. So I think I've learned a lot about how, where kids are emotionally affects their ability to learn. So no matter how much you might be frustrated because they can't memorize their times tables or because they won't conjugate the verbs correctly the fact that you are more upset about that and they're not meeting the goals and that this is becoming a big deal to you isn't going to help nearly as much as if you take a step back and meet them where they actually are instead of where you want them to be. 
So I'm glad I had my kids to help me learn that. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Great. One last thing I'd like to ask, speaking of your kids, I'm always thinking about what things I do with my daughter now that she's going to talk about in therapy someday. So (laughs) because I did, right. You know, the things I did with my mom, I talked about in therapy. So how do your, how do your kids feel about being adults who were homeschooled? If, If friends came and asked them, Oh, what you were homeschooled. What was that like? What do you think your kids would say? What did, do you think overall it was, it was positive. Would they have had some reservations or, you know, what's their perspective? I, they have told me that it was positive overall. They definitely think it was positive. Um, one of my sons told me that when he got to college, he realized that his peers were very burned out and they had been told what to do for years and years and years. And that he was fresh to all of this idea of meeting requirements that somebody else set for him. And he felt like it was a great advantage. One of my other sons told me that he felt like it was a big advantage in terms of freedom of thought. Uh, Our family is definitely one that is going to test out all the viewpoints and, and read about all the possible worldviews. And he actually felt like that was broader than what he encountered in some of his college classes. We joke, we used to joke and say that our homeschooling was more like grad school because we would kind of lie around and talk about good books and then go out to the coffee shop and talk about them some more. Uh, You know, I think that they feel like they had a good experience. Honestly, I think they would say that moving frequently had a bigger impact on their lives than homeschooling did. And that homeschooling was probably a mitigating factor as far as making the moving at least a little bit better. Cause at least the school part didn't change and they did get some confidence. Okay. Mom's going to get us plugged in. We're going to find our people again. Uh, but moving was, was challenging. And so I think they would probably say that was harder. It's very interesting. That's great. Yeah. I'm always wondering what our girls will say when they're yeah. adults and I'm hoping that they'll say great dad jokes. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that they'll say, wow, we had so many experiences we couldn't have had if we had been in school all day. Yeah. Um, that's what we're going for. We're going for the experience. Well, we're, we're trying to, we're trying to fill in everything because we do a co-op, um, a parent partnership as well. I think they're going to have that kind of, we're, we're piecing together all the experiences with, you know, uh, extracurriculars, sports, our parent partnership, things of that nature is giving them a lot of those feels that feel like regular school, but still we, we do the homeschooling. So I, I think they're going to, they're not going to know the difference. I, I think they would I think know. it's a good mix, but I, I think it's a very interesting, um, it's interesting to question it from their point of view. Like what yeah. are they going to see? So yeah. I love hearing that yep. your, your kids really felt like it was a valuable and, and positive experience. Yeah. I have a couple funny stories. One is uh, one of my sons went to a study group in community college for one of his classes. And he came home and he said, you know, mom, it was just great. Nobody knew that I was a homeschooler at all. It really doesn't matter. I get it. You know, we just all want to learn the material and do well in the class. A couple of weeks later, he came home and he said, mom, everybody in the study group was homeschooled except for one. (laughs) So it turned out the homeschoolers had kind of found each other, were interested in the study group, had set up their own way to learn together and had, you know, somehow, you know, magically uh, found each other. 
even though that wasn't the intent. And nobody spoke up, you know, for a couple of weeks for them to identify that. So that that was a pretty funny one. I'm trying to think about what the, there was another one sort of like that. When the kids got older and they were working and they were going to college, they said, nobody ever asked about homeschooling because they don't assume that you were homeschooled. I mean, it doesn't come up. You're just a person like everybody else. And so it's not like you have, you know, a scarlet H stamped on your forehead <laughs> uh, that, that stays with you forever. I like to think that they got to take the good experiences and the good relationships that we had and that that gave them some advantages as they, along with the academics, as they went out into the world, but they really don't look and seem different from other people. (laughs) And people always say, oh, those homeschoolers are weird. It's like, do you know the last time you interacted with a homeschooler? Because you probably did. You just didn't know. Right. Exactly. All over the place. Yes. Yes. Very much so. Well, we we appreciate you spending time talking about your homeschool experience. I think we'll we're going to bring her back. Yeah. Yeah. To talk about more about the homeschooling, you know, above us. You know, what what homeschooling challenges and and things that are going on in the homeschooling world and stuff. And we'll bring it back to talk about that. But thank you so much for being on the show. It was really insightful on hearing about your process because. You know, you're here, and then we're down here. And so you can't see Matt is gesturing with a, uh, my, my a slope Ita- here. My Italian hands with a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of math sloping here. Yeah, no, it's really nice to see the the progression and and you know knowing where where you could be going and helping other people make decisions is, is hearing people who have gone through it telling them that it's not that it's not that bad. You, you'll you'll make it. I think is a comforting thing. And that's maybe the other thing that I'm glad that I always had during homeschooling was people who had gone before and kind of paved that road and had that experience. So I'm happy to have the chance to continue to do that and kind of pay it forward or pay it back uh, because that's having somebody else's experience to learn from is the best. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!